Hello, Spider-Dan here of the Spider-Dan and the Secret Balls podcast. Just wanted to give you a quick introduction on what I do and why you should check it out. My main mission for the podcast is to spotlight the best-kept secrets in entertainment that a mainstream audience may find boring. I cover these topics in various different formats, including Secret Defenders, where I challenge my guests to defend their favourite films that are underrated, obscure or infamous. Or Clone Balls, where we compare similar pieces of media and see which one will be crowned the victor. And Secret Ball Stories, where we compile a top five list in high fidelity fashion. I have various guests from all walks of life, including friends, family, comic book professionals and actors, while also doing the odd solo podcast and Patreon YouTube video here and there. If you like entertaining and informative discussions and are sick of content creators covering the same old MCU and Netflix programming, take a walk on the wild and the weird side by joining the Protalion. Swing over to spiderdanandthesecretballs.com for all the information you may need, such as links to the podcast, social media accounts, and how you can support the podcast. That's spiderdanandthesecretballs.com. That's B-O-R-E-S. Thanks for joining me, and as always, prepare for prattle. Mic. Camera. Action. It's time to go. Why can't you come with us? Of all those fields to clear, remember, when men build lives from honest toil, courage never fails. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I hate sleeping without you. He's safe. It's Stonebridge. Of course we'll be safe. People call Father Farmer. Doesn't he have a name? Your father believes that people become what they do. Nork brought him to Stonebridge when he was just little. So Nork is his father? The whole town adopted him. Different families took him at different times. But Nork, he always kept a special eye out. I'm glad he has a family now. I'm glad it's us. Welcome back to the Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue from past debut through to present day in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the Focus Filmography and consider how it ranks amidst their career and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. For episode 16, I'm joined by a true dynamic duo, Spider-Dan and Angry Andy, to discuss the 16th big screen appearance of the Stace in the unbelievably bad fantasy actioner, in the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. 
we watch, you listen, and hopefully, if you really want to do this to yourself, watch along too. So, gents, thank you very much to subjecting yourself to this amateurish, embarrassing facsimile of Lord of the Rings. It's much appreciated. I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> we uh, we really fell on the sword on this one. Mm. Fell on the sword? I beheaded myself watching this crap. It's awful. I hate this film. <laughs> I'm going to say it straight away. I hate this film. Uh, yeah. There you go. Thank, and that's 100%... You Thank you for having me on. Goodbye. <laughs> Good night. That's 100% why you're here, because, you know, it's like when Chris gets stitched up on the VHS podcast. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised to learn that you hate this film. No, I don't, I don't see how anyone could like this film, though. It's not just well, singular hate, is <laughs> it? But, um... I, I will read you later about some people who do like this film. <laughs> Those people are liars. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll call them out right now. Abject liars. <laughs> and if you're listening to it and you're one of those liars, then I'll see you on the field of battle with a uh, out of time, Jason Statham. Yeah, we can get you a boomerang and see what happens. Oh God! I tell you what, Andy, we could just set you on fire and then catapult <laughs> you at them. <laughs> oh, we've already started in the deluge of <laughs> trite mechanics of this film. Oh, God, that orc. I don't understand what the point was. Like, they set him on fire and launched him into a tree. Just just be careful. Oh. We don't we don't want to get done for plagiarism. They're definitely not orcs, guys. Please. No, I was definitely going to say. Definitely not orcs, yeah? Oh, no, the, the whatever they... What, what the Krug. The Krug. Krug. Yeah. Krug. Oh, God. Yeah, the, the Krug. They're so different to orcs. <laughs> I don't know how you possibly confuse them. Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to rationalise it in a in a much better way than the film deserves mm-hmm. by calling them something else. Oh, <laughs> awful! So, Dan, you've been a uh, guest several times already. This is your fourth appearance, I think. Is it? Is it already? Oh, oh, yeah. So, so we've done transporters. Lo- yeah, and one lock stock. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, you're almost like a co-host at this point. But it, you're, you, we, you know how appreciated you are by by myself on this show. However, Andy, this is your first appearance, and hopefully yes. not last, despite what I've put you through for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, in terms of the state and in terms of his filmography, how many do you reckon you've seen, and what is your kind of relationship with him as an actor? Do you, would you seek out a movie, or was it if you stumble across it? Like, where do you stand with the state? I'm just, I've briefly just looked through his filmography just to kind of sort of see what I've actually watched, because to, to mind, I don't think I've seen that much, but looking mm. at it, it's surprising. I think I've seen over half, if not two thirds of his, of his filmography, to be quite honest, obviously the expendables. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of obviously loud, you know, over, overzealous action movies. And yeah, they're not, they're not very good, but you know, obviously he's in them. He's a major, mm-hmm. major part of those films. Um, I've seen the Fast and Furious films that he's in. Um, and then going right the way back to um, Lockstock and Snatch, you know, the two two films that I really enjoy. And obviously one of the major ones that jumps out to me is The One with Jet Li. I love that film. And then you've got War as well uh, later on with uh, with Jet Li. I love that. Um, but then there's other, there's other films as well, like... Um, 
the random appearance he has in Collateral, where he's just he's just there. <laughs> you know, this is a glorified cameo, but it's is it a cameo if he wasn't really, you know, famous to a point at that at that mm-hmm. point in time? I don't know. What was it just like? Oh, Tom Cruise is a Tom Cruise film. Do you wanna do you wanna feature in it then quickly? Yeah, sure, cool. You know, uh, the Italian job. It's not a great film, but there are a lot of films on his filmography that I've seen with him in and then kind of just forget about them to be quite mm. honest. And that's not sort of like a negative against Jason Statham. I, I will say that I don't actively seek out his films, but a lot of his films are, you know, popcorn, you know, one shot uh, blasts on screen, you mm. know, for me, I won't actively go out and rewatch any of them to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're quite the the serviceable films, aren't they? He does what it, what he does. He does very well, which is evidenced in you know the films that he's been in. So yeah, I'm surprised by how much I've actually seen uh, Crank Two. Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> I think serviceable is a really interesting word for you to use because I think that is something that's come up several times. The sense that he just comes in and he does what he's good at, and mm. generally elevates what would be a mediocre movie to something you know not every time obviously but something that's as you, i don't know what other words you use like passable or entertaining or like you know distracting yeah. or like and i think generally speaking and maybe you'll be the first person that goes against that i don't know we'll see but you know you also have seen a lot of his movies generally speaking we have been talking about his charisma his level of chemistry with his co-stars tends to elevate the films he's in yeah, no, I'd agree. It, he's he's very easygoing, isn't he? When you watch him on screen, is he's not sort of trying to outdo himself. It's it's hard to explain, really. He's, he's he knows what he's good at, mm. and what he's good at is fighting, and um, like you said, that charisma. He's got that sort of the, the accent plays really well into him. You know, against other you know when when you see in the expendables the accent works so well against these these famous other stars you kind of you you because he's almost the everyman you kind of latch onto him because he does seem just like a normal geezer in a in a weird sort of sense for me so you do kind of latch onto him and go oh okay then yeah jason statham's here cool all right cool let's go which to be fair essentially is i mean he was a normal geezer that guy which he plucked off the street so yeah. it makes total sense that and i think you're right he's managed to maintain that despite being in one of the biggest franchises of all time and being a key component now, getting his own spin-off from that, yeah. being in, like you say, st- standing next to Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Snipes and and holding Willis his own and... as well, like clearly yeah. holding yeah, yeah. his own. There's, there's no, there's no moment in there where you go and like Liam Hemsworth in the Expendables <laughs> two where you go, <laughs> you're out of place here. No, because there's obviously clear respect for everything that he does from them because they know he's a quality martial artist. They know he's got charisma they know he's able to you know inflect this air of you know fun in everything he does and i think that's one thing with this film where that doesn't come across and yeah even somebody who's so easygoing as Stephen clearly is in films like this and confident yeah he's, he's exposed by the disastrousness of this film it's going to be one of my key questions if it, that, that we'll talk about if it doesn't come up organically about like where this fits for him as an actor. But also, yeah, that we've just been discussing it again. Does he manage to bring what he usually does to this film 
I've got an argument to make, but we'll we'll see when we get there whether it's mm. down to him or down to other people. Yeah, uh, and we'll see what how you both feel on both agree uh, whether you both agree or not. Because yeah, there's something seriously lacking here. Oh yeah, <laughs> from the top down, hundred <laughs> percent. Not not something, several something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in every every level, cast yeah. and crew. I yeah. think there is a lot missing. Yeah. You cannot have the quality. Well, I say quality. You cannot have the amount of well-known actors in this film and do what they did with it. You can't do it. It's a crime against cinema. This is one I've actively not watched up until this watch through of all his films for yeah. obvious reasons. And I was surprised by the cast. I was like, oh, and this person, and this person, and this person. You sort of you knew, I knew Bette Reynolds was in it because obviously famously he was in it. Famously fell off his horse, didn't he? During <laughs> filming. Um, but even like somebody like John Reese Davis, I was like, what's, why, why are you in this? What are you doing in this film? So yeah, I think people who are genuinely good in other stuff yeah are not good horribly exposed <laughs> yeah. yeah it could be more exposed if they were stood in the arctic completely fucking naked mm. that's how exposed they are in this film to just mm. absolute trash mm. it's just, oh. like the only thing good about this film is the the natural environment, and they don't they, they can't claim any anything from that because it's it's a natural environment, so they don't win any points for that. But that's the only good thing about this film is when they do the wide elevated shots from helicopter, or you know, it looks bloody lovely. I'll give mm-hmm. them that, but that's not on them. That's on oh, we're going to set up camp here because it looks nice. Um, great. Well, you don't win anything for that because the rest of your film is shit. Um. So there you go. <laughs> I'll come back to you. Okay, I'll, I'll come back to you in a second because <laughs> I know you mentioned that you had maybe seen part of this before and left it. What about you, Dan? Have you seen this before? This watch? I had never, never seen this before. I don't. Even, I'm not even sure if I've seen a Uwe Boll film before. Mm. Oh, and... oh, you need to watch Blood Rain for the absolute abject misery that that film gives you as well. <laughs> Um, but I, I was kind of fascinated about his kind of story, so I did I did watch a documentary about mm. him, and I paid for it as well. I paid money. Oh. I paid actual <laughs> money. I paid actual money for it. Oh, I was, you but, poor sweet summer child. But it was it was quite interesting. I, the title is is absolutely amazing. It's fuck you all, <laughs> the Uwe Boll story. <laughs> And that is exactly the kind of image he presents, this belligerent, uh, doesn't give a fuck, German guy. He's like, whatever, I'll make whatever, I'll do whatever. I'll get this funding by a a tax loophole in Mm. Germany where they'll refund me 50% of what I spend. Yeah, which is why his (laughs) films are so fucking elaborate because he could he just spends what he wants and gets half of it back this was the that last was time though right wasn't it i think they said i like, believe like, so that i think no they more closed... after this Uwe, no more yeah. yeah i think they closed that loophole because he was just taking advantage of it but yeah. i guess it's kind of like the canadian tax shelter the mm-hmm. exploitation stuff it was a again it was a tax incentive for people to make films and make films there so i i kind of <laughs> in in some ways it's it i'll be honest that that documentary is kind of somewhat flattering to Uwe. Bob. Mm. but also because he produced it 
yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that is. That is <laughs> but, but then, but then also, there's a lot of people saying, "Yeah, he's a fucking dick," but he's he's my friend, or you know. And, and I, I I found that quite in- interesting that they were defending him because he was like, he says what he wants, he doesn't give a shit, he's offensive. Uh, one of the, one of the quotes from the film uh, from the documentary was, "I don't see anyone as above me." If I met Tom Cruise, I would not see him as above me. I would say how stupid Scientology is and what an R word Tom Cruise is. Well, what a lovely chap you are. Mm. Mm. So, uh, so, and I think that says a lot about him. Um, but yeah, I've never seen, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen a new Bowl film. Mm. I've not seen Alone in the Dark or any of the Blood Rains or any of the, or Blubberella. Oh, or... Alone in the Dark. Yeah, I've not seen any of those. But but I I came in with this pretty blind. And again, I was very shocked by the cast. Mm. I was like, wow, okay. Ray Liotta, um, for some reason, his villain is named after a boat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me why. He's just named after a boat. The names are fucking stupid in this. Yeah. Um, You also wouldn't know it was a a video game adaptation because you've never heard of the video game. But I, I did do some research. So uh, as as uh, some people... Classic Dan style. Oh, yeah, mm. absolutely. Deep dive, a deep dive. I did some research into the game. Not the film, but the game. And I learned, because I was like, if uh, spoilers for the film, if, if you're... If you're oh, I yeah. mean, to be honest, to be honest, you, you've, you've spoiled yourself if you've put the film on. <laughs> <to be fair. laughs> um, it's, it's like gone off milk of films. Uh, so, it's like that uh, Minority Report milk and sandwich that Tom Cruise <laughs> eats and drinks. Yeah, right. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, he, we start off, and the main character is Jason Statham, the star of the show and the star of this podcast. And we learn that his name is Farmer. Mm. And he's also a farmer. <laughs> so tonight, in honour of him, I've I've renamed myself as Podcaster, as uh <laughs> As I feel, I, I am uh, who I am is based on the deeds and not my words. Um, so I looked up the video game, and in the video game, it's an RPG. So usually in like RPGs, you you know you craft your character, you make him look like you or whoever you want to be, you know whatever you want. It's basically your your picnic, create a character, and and usually with RPGs, there's ranks. So you know there'll be like knight, mage, or you know um, knight templar. I don't know whatever. Uh, so, so the so the beginning ranks are level one in the video game is farmer. Okay, that's the rank. You can name the character whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So what says what speaks volumes about this film to me is that Uwe Boll has gone right. What's the character? He's a farmer, right? Farmer. He's he's literally not even looked. Mm-hmm. He's not played the game. He's just gone. What what? Oh, farmer, right. Write that down. Good. That's good shit. And then he's just gone with that. And then, and later on, the writer's probably gone, why did you call him a farmer? Because the game is a farmer. He's not, you know, you could have given him, could have given him literally any fucking name. It doesn't matter. Call him Gwaine or Duncan. I don't fucking know anything. But the, the fact that he's not even done that level of research mm-hmm. into the game or even played the game. Is is speaks volumes to to what this film is, mm. and how dreadful every other aspect of it is. Yeah, I think that's. I, I mean, because they then have to address it, don't they? Later on, his farmer's wife, played by Claire Forlani, and his son, 
bye bye random blonde child not destined long for this film have a conversation she's like well your dad believes that the jobs you do define who you are so he doesn't have a name he goes by farmer but it's so clunky and so yeah i don't know whether that was bowen forcing that or the, this poor writer who'd been forced to do draft after draft i think over years or something to get this to the the, <laughs> the place that, that <laughs> bowl wanted it to be to go into production it's yeah you're right it's just a classic example of how shit yeah this film such, is and such no an odd it's to, yeah it's a trite tri message isn't it it's like mm. oh well you know you are you are what you do because that means by that that no one can evolve then even mm. though quite clearly he does in this film but it's it's stupid it doesn't make any sense everybody That's... else has got fucking names why not him but also he wouldn't have been like because we find out don't we that he was orphaned so yeah he, he wasn't so was he called orphan for a while and then he was teenager yeah and then he was do you know what I mean? like, it's, it's so weird he's a... Like, some, they must have called him something as he was growing up. They didn't call him Farmer as a child, did they? Well, they, they could have. They could have linked it, like by with the way the film ends. They could have linked it, or at least tried to link it. You know, with like he's trying to keep his identity secret in mm -hmm, some mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. But they don't even bother to do that. No, they just completely ignore it and go, "Oh well, here's the reveal." Mm -hmm. um, all right, cool. Is that the reason why he's he's abandoned naming himself? Uh, no. No, because we forgot about that. Like half <laughs> yeah. the stuff in this film, they just uh, half the stuff in this film, they forget what's happened, or they mm. don't show it, or it's done off screen. Oh yeah, we've got yeah. to talk about exposition the stuff that's done dumped by somebody else, Ugh. explained by someone from somewhere, from some character that we haven't been introduced properly. To who who are you? Why are you in this film? Don't know. I'm moving on now. All right then. Um, what's going on? We need to get some horses. Let's get some horses. We need some horses. Next scene. Yeah. Let's get, get rid, rid of the horses. horses. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Literally oh the next God. scene. I, I checked, it's two minutes yeah. later. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like, it, the, the editing, the design, every everything oh, is at fault in this, in, in this film. It, I've got yeah, a list later awful, that I'm going oh. to read out to you, and I want you both to tell me what element of filmmaking you think is the worst i've got i've got some categories Ooh. and you're going to get to you get to get to pick which one you think is the worst it's going to be a tough choice worst christ everything is bad yeah Ugh. not not just bad like horrendously bad oh yeah like, yeah like... this is a struggle to get through i messaged dan i think it was about an hour an hour through i think <laughs> mm -hmm. when the back when the midpoint battle starts yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I messaged him at that point and i went i messaged it because i, I I've, I've sort of I paused it for a second and then it came up with how long was left and I went, no, no, you're joking me. And there was an hour left. That's I all right. play again and recorded a message and I went, I can't believe it. <laughs> 20 minutes of that was a really badly edited, choreographed, depicted battle of just random things banging into random things. That yeah. must have been and really it, enjoyable for you. Oh. Andy, Andy, I did the exact same thing, but I only got 40 minutes in before I checked the time. <laughs> oh, you had an hour and 20 minutes to go. Oh, yeah. dear Lord. Yeah. That wasn't it's even not a short film. And there's no, an even not. longer director's cut out there, as we know, so... Yeah, fuck. Oh, I'm so I, like like when we did when we did the wrong direction of 1941. I I fell on that particular sort mm. of watch, watch the director's cut. I was not going to do it for you, Jack. <laughs> not this time. No, no way. There's only so hours we have in our life, and don't give any more to Uwe, Uwe Bow and in the name of the king. Oh good no. god, good god. <laughs> Absolutely you, were, not. you were talking about the revelations in this. These big revelations. Mm. 
like the one of the revelations I thought that would be a revelation was that Claire Claire Folani, the wife, mm-hmm. uh, is you know she goes missing. They can't find the body, but they kind of assume that she's dead, and they want to make a farmer wants to make a marker for her, but they say no. We that's a fucking weird scene as well. I mean, it's, they all are, but. <laughs> Where they, where all of a sudden the music is very triumphant, and mm. they start having a digging competition for their son's, his son's grave. <laughs> what the fuck is going on there? The I'm, son I'm, that you don't even realize has died. Yeah, uh, what, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, you're like, what's oh. happened here? Well, who's he, who's he digging the grave for? Oh, oh, okay. Here's, here's the thing as well that I re- that really fucking bothered me was the random fades to black for mm-hmm. no fucking reason. So fair enough, we don't see the child. You need to edit. Yeah. So fair enough, we don't see the child get killed. You know, I, I understand that. You don't want to see a, a child get killed necessarily. But what, yeah, but if you're making an impactful film, yeah, the fact that we don't see it, nobody says anything about it until mm. they're digging a grave, you kind of go, oh, that actually happened then? Because yeah. I just assumed he'd gone missing. I thought... Because the way the way the way that it works, I thought the wife had died and mm. the son had run away, escaped, had been yeah. kidnapped like all the other children you see. Because he ran for a really but, long way, to be fair. Yeah. So you yeah. think he would have got away? Yeah, but if you like, I don't think Ubol's concerned about showing something that would upset people in terms of no, I guess you not. Know, a child being killed. I think it's just purely edited, purely designed. Like, hmm. but the kid's dead yeah. doesn't change it. You want to make something impactful and show what happens. You know, because that gives you credence for the character going forward, then because you're mm. you're aligned with him. The sheer fact that we don't know that the kid's been killed for minutes, we're just sat there confused, watching. Oh, okay, what they're doing? You know, oh, the the wife must be dead as well. No, I always think the best okay. way to handle the death of a child in the movie is for the the sidekick Ron Perlman Norick just to start making jokes immediately after his <laughs> his burial. I think that's the best the best way to handle it, don't you? <laughs> Fucking hell! I, kind of, I was like, "What? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> this but is not the real. time, Ron." But Hellboy, it, it, Hellboy, Hellboy, like, we, we have we have this. We have the st- we have the killing of the child. There's this big like, "Oh, I can't believe he's done that." And then just randomly, it just fades to black. Mm. And when I when I was back in college, we did we put on a, a performance. It was like a TIE uh, lesson. We went into a school and we performed some theatre in education. And we had to come up with the the lighting and everything. And we literally just said, "Okay, fade to black here, fade to black here, fade to black here, fade to black here," and all the way through the show. And it destroyed the show, mm. destroyed any tension, destroyed any ability and from that down and we got marked down for it and it was fair enough because i was like yeah it was fucking shit lighting but again we had to kind of rush it out and we didn't really we weren't very technical at the time but i learned from that day stop fading to black every time nothing happens or and there's so many fades to black for no there's no reason for it to fade to black there's no there's no artistry there's no design and and like andy was saying the storytelling like getting ideas across, like the wife is alive, like the son is dead, should be really obvious, and you know, and not not like, you know, shoved in our faces or anything, but at least obvious obvious enough for us to know where the story is heading and what the fuck is going on. Mm. <laughs> and I I think one of the key problems with this, um, I might I, you know I, I I might choose it later on down the line when you're getting us to pick, but the fucking editing, oh, it's awful, is horrendous. Struggled. Yeah. Absolutely struggled the it entire is, way through. It is seizure-inducing. It's that mm. bad. I yeah. didn't know what the fuck 
was going on. Well, in, there's, there's no consistency, is there? So in terms of like a, a fantasy film, you do a certain type of editing for a fantasy film. There's no consistency. You do a certain type of editing for an action movie. You do a certain type of editing for a romantic comedy, which usually is, you know, scene fades and things like that. With this, it's everything. Oh, that's good in that moment. We'll do that. Um, why? Why are we doing that? Why are we fading to black? Why are we fading in into a battle scene? Why are we fading out of one battle scene into another? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you don't do that in a battle scene. You jump cut because you you heighten frenetic, you know, violence. You you highlight the action. You don't you don't screen fade into somebody getting their head cleaved. What 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 are you doing? <laughs> you're just going. Oh oh, you're missing half the action, and then. You've got ridiculous edits where the camera pans behind the tree so that they can reattach the, the shot again so they can play the same shot from a different angle. Um, so it looks like there's more people in the battle. Oh, that's that's not obvious at all, Lou. Well, well done. Thank you so much. The um, the fade to black just made me think of like a cheap, poorly made, like, you know, director TV movie because that's what they do there, isn't it? Like, you know, like an East Enders, doom, 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 doom. It's the like, Channel oh, 5 porn film. To, yeah, exactly. It's that kind of stuff, isn't it? But it's all hey, just. Hey, I like those Channel 5 porn <laughs> films. You leave them alone. We know what you like, Dan. <laughs> as soon as we finished here, right? Click off. TV's right going away. on. Right YouTube, Channel where's... 5, Blue. <laughs> where's, where's Shannon Tweed? Where's Shannon Worry? Get them on. Get them on, lovely ladies. <laughs> Thank you for my sexual awakening. Uh... Let's go backwards a little bit, which is, you know, this film was all over the place. So for us to be all over the place absolutely makes complete sense. You guys mentioned there about like the cross cutting of scenes of this is happening here and this is happening over there is so difficult to follow. The geography of where people are and what they're doing and who they are and how they impact on the story is just impossible to tell, which is from like minute one, isn't it? We yeah. open with this like over the like, I can't like words are just escaping me. We open with like a shot over the bed of um Lily Sabisky, I think that's how you say her name, and Ray Liotta mm -hmm. together. I've written their dialogue down because it's hilarious. But it's like such a weird, like, creepy gaslighting scene where Ray Liotta's, like, lying in bed in a leather jacket, like, seducing mm. Sobieski, who I looked up as 29 years younger than him at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then we, like, cut to John Reese davis out on a mountain. Whoa, what's going on here? But it looks like he's looking at the tower, looking at them. Yeah. But he's not. He's looking at the tower, looking at the not-orcs down in the ground and like it, but you don't know that until later on when they go back to that location and it's yeah. like we've had now 120 minutes between that scene and this one yeah you have to really put it all together yourself it makes you do a lot of work because there's just no thought and no sense of how anything fits together in this movie yeah it's the the, the initial sort of five ten minutes we have like four different setups we've we've got Essentially, not Isengard um, turning into <laughs> Isengard um, with the flames and everything, and that happens like like you said in parallel to that god awful scene with mm. Ray Liotta, and you're like, oh, is, what's he doing? Is he is he's gathering power? I guess he's doing this. He's doing that. Well, mm. it's not explained. It's it's made. You know, it's it's all exposition shit where you're supposed to go, okay, that's what he's doing, but it doesn't really tell you. 
So you, you move on and you forget about it. And then we keep jumping back to this magnificent castle, um, which apparently somebody um, decided to give it four out of five purely because of the design of that castle um, <laughs> on the Rotten Tomatoes, I'm just seeing. Yeah, it was based on Dungeon Seed. The castle was identical, so it was pretty good. That's an informative review. Mm. Thank you very much. Um yeah, we, we we jump, like you say, we jump from to, to four different things happening at the same time without any context. So you're just there going, okay, you're, you're just watching images of shit mm. and you're trying to find the consistency of each pile and trying to work out, you know, which one which one of these had corn for, for tea. And you, you don't really know. It's, it's bizarre. It's, it doesn't make any sense. For about, um, for about half the film, I actually didn't know that Lily Sobieski mm. was John Rhys Davies' daughter. I thought she was the king's daughter for yeah. about half the film Agreed. until they went, "Oh, daughter, what have you done?" Yeah, because because you're not told anything about the characters; they just appear, do something, and then disappear for half the film, like mm. every other character does in this film. Yeah, I just sent you guys the uh, the lines of dialogue. I wondered as as former actors both of you i don't i hate to use the word former actors who yeah. don't currently act as much as they used to. <laughs> i don't know what part you'd like to take but if one of you would like to be muriella one would like to be gallian if you'd like to read the open the, the three opening lines of this movie for everyone to experience shotgun gallian <laughs> <laughs> oh because we've got less lines i see yeah <laughs> okay you did say before in a previous podcast you never got to play, you know, kind of the the, the good looking, the sexy, true, the hunky. True, so now true. you get to be the, you know, the, the the beautiful young, attractive lady. I will. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I knew you'd come. I told you I would. I mean, I felt it. I felt <laughs> it before you came. Oh, lovely. I mean. What does it mean? <laughs> well, it doesn't mean what it sounds like. No. Yeah, it, it sounds a little dirty, but I, I don't think it... <laughs> it is um, not not good. Whatever not it good. is, is not good. So we won't show a kid being killed, which, as you said, Andy, is motivation for our lead character. Hmm. But we will show this 50, 60-something-year-old man coming coming early into um, <laughs> his 29 years younger object of affection. <laughs> oh, God. Again, it's just it's just words, isn't it? There's, mm. there's no context, there's no rhyme or reason or meaning to, to what they're saying. You, you, you're told to pick the pieces up for yourself and work it out, and yet there's nothing interesting to work mm. out, so you don't, and then you're just baffled for the next 20 minutes. When, when... <laughs> all too often. Oh, yeah, all the way through. When Jack, when Jack was talking about Ron Perlman making jokes about after the death of the child, I was reminded of uh, Lily Sobieski. She finds out that she's, you know, that Galleon has stolen power from their bloodline. or some. Mm, I think he's been absorbing it from her, hasn't he? Yeah, there? but he's like, you've tainted our bloodline, um, says John <laughs> Rhys-Davies. And I'm like, right, okay. And then she sobs. And mm. this random model that apparently was going out with Uwe Boll, surprise, surprise, mm. uh, comes in and goes, oh, what is wrong? 
<laughs> your father wouldn't want you to be upset. He cares for you deeply. And she and Lili Sobieski sobs so hard and it's awful. It's dreadful. Mm. And it and I I I don't think it's all her, but I, I think it's just the way it's shot as well and the way it's directed, obviously. Um but I can't. I, she just sobs so hard, you can't tell what she's saying. Yeah. But but then, she, thanks to this very very wooden performance from this model, she gets inspired to be to be heroic, and she puts on this amazing suit of armor. I did really like mm. the suit of armor she has. It's very um, Joan of Arc. Um, and then totally she rides alone. out. She's like, I'm going to be the knight. You know, she's fighting with the, the king's aide earlier on in the film. You think, okay, um, you know, she's going to have this like a feminist moment. And the first thing she does is she rides out. She's like, you know, very triumphantly riding out. She sees one Krug, um, one Krug leader, and she immediately runs away. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's after all that. She just goes, oh, into the forest. <laughs> yeah. Again, like there's no context for it either. You no. don't you don't get an inner sort of monologue or inner thought process. She just runs away and you're well, like, oh, okay. That totally defeats everything that's just happened in the last five minutes. I mean, think of the scene they're trying to steal from in from, from um in Lord of the Rings when it's all about Eowyn being because she is no man, so she is the one who can defeat um is it is he called I can't think what it's called. Is he called the the Witch King. The Witch King, yeah. I nearly said Cheddar King there. The Witch King, yeah. So <laughs> the the thing there's everything is stolen. Absolutely everything oh, is stolen. God. And then just like so poor so poorly interpreted. I always think of, you know, like those carbon copy things where you like yeah. you write on the white bit and it sort of slowly fades as it goes through to the to the yellow bit that you get given at the end. So you can barely see mm. shit that, you, that that's what this film is. It's the it's the yellowed faded crap version of what was once good yeah i there was a point again i think it must have been the fight the the, the final battle which is in the middle of the film um <laughs> don't forget the battle I, of muddy like... hill don't forget the battle of muddy hill <laughs> oh jesus christ appalling <laughs> but there was that point i think when something happened in in the battle i think when i thought Christ, they should have been taking a tally of how many times this has ripped Lord of the Rings off. All three films, all three Lord of the Rings films. Like I should have I should have taken like some sort of tally, some sort of count, because it's atrocious how mm. much they try and sort of pilfer. Um all three of the films have come out by this point, haven't they? Yeah, this is two thousand and seven. So yeah. Oh god, yeah, well there you go then. Do you think you can count that high? And that's not a slight on you. That's on that's on numbers and how many numbers you'd have to count to. Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. I, was, I seriously thought I should have had like a piece of paper <laughs> and a pen and just like just done the single etch mark every time run something out of ink, happened. Mate. Well, yeah, I would have run out of paper. Uh, <laughs> would have been writing on the walls like some psychopath in a prison cell. Like, <laughs> we've got another one. There's another one here for us. It's precious. all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah, just appalling. Like, and I don't, I don't like. You got to give it, give him credit for going. Oh, Lord of the Rings was great. I want to do something like that, and then just completely butchering any semblance of you know quality in trying to replicate that. Because we, we've seen we've seen other films do it. You know, Kingdom of Heaven. You know, Ridley Scott's film sort of riffs off. You know, some parts of Lord of the Rings and gets away with it. Mm. This film, no, it's 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 fucking stupid, isn't it? Mm. Just like 
<laughs> this is quite clearly a wizard battle at the end. But um, oh. yeah, we're, we're, we're going to like just really mess up how <laughs> clever and intricate, you know, the one that we see in the, the Fellowship of the Ring and just like throw some weird shit and see if it sticks and yet nothing sticks. So it's just sloppy mess, isn't it? <sighs> it is sloppy, sloppy mess. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if have you guys ever listened to, I mean, they don't do it anymore. They've got their own podcast. But do you ever listen to Simon Mayer, Mark Kermode? Uh, briefly, when they used to be on Radio Five. Yeah, yeah, I've, I, yeah, I've listened to a few reviews. Yeah. So back in the day, they used to have something called the Mark Strong Butt Game. I don't know if you've heard of this. No, well, it's, I might have done actually. It's called this because Mark Strong came up with it, not because Mark Strong is ever a butt. So he coined this game where you have a film full of lots of quality performers, but it also finishes features this person. Hmm. So instead of like the and or the with, and you know, which are normally celebrations of people, this is meant to be that. Unfortunately, this person's in it. So I'm just going to read out some of the the, the actors in this, and it is and jump in when you think there's a but for you. So we've got obviously Jason Statham, Ron Perlman, Ray Liotta, Lily surname, Sobieski. Thank you, John Reese Davis, Matthew Lillard, Claire Forlani. Oh. <laughs> oh, we've hit Andy's butt. Matthew Lillard, he's your butt. Like, like Andy, this has got two of your, as I know it, favourite actors in it. It does, doesn't it? Well, yeah. was that Leo yeah. and, and Lillard? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very partial to Ron Perlman as well. Sure. Mm. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, um, I'm a big fan of John Reese Davies. Um, yeah, Matthew Lillard. Fuck, I forgot. <sighs> What How could it? you forget about Lillard? Is in this movie? He lets you know he's in this movie. Mm. Yeah, and I feel bad for him because he's clearly, he's clearly trying to to be doing something different, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, like all the actors in this film, they've been betrayed by abject. Um, I've never I've never seen an actor in a film with a wetter mouth than Matthew <laughs> Lillard in this, in this film. He's constantly like, eating or drinking and like speaking and then spitting and like he is really fucking going for it. There's a, there's a line where he's like, you poison me! And like, Ray Liotta is going, oh, don't be so melodramatic. And then he goes, <laughs> I was like, fuck, you know, just both of them just chewing the shit out of the scenery for no reason. <laughs> so also, here's another problem I have. That that poison, he mm. cures him with the poison. Burt Reynolds, it just stops working. Oh, just, <laughs> doesn't doesn't John Reese's Davies mage like hum like don't don't apologize for this film, Jack. Pa- power there? suck it out of him, doesn't he? That's why I thought he yeah. comes in and waves his hands over him, doesn't he? Here, yeah, but it, it doesn't say like, oh, there you go, it's it's yeah, out. No, that doesn't happen for quite a while. And then he says, "Oh, Matthew you don't Lillard have long already, already been this, struggling." He's like, "God, oh God, God, you need to give me it, give me it, give me it." You like, know what? Oh. You know what I would have done. I wouldn't have cured the king. I would have had the, that king come in, like, "Ah, oh, the king is dead." Da, da, da. Matthew Lillard. Oh, you know, I'm your new king. Da, 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 da. And then, and then Burt Reynolds comes in and is like, "I'm not dead at all." Yeah, they I... do that later on, don't they? They do yeah. that later on, but. It... There's no impact because we all know he's alive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's no again. All of these, all these fucking reveals are, are shit and useless because we know all this shit already. We know Claire Forlani is alive. Like, there's I one a nice what... little nap in the carriage on the way to prison, isn't she? 
Oh, nice little nap in there. She's having oh, a great time. Well, I, I need to get back to that scene because <laughs> fuck me. But um, but yeah, I, I, what I would have done is I would have had John Rhys Davies shapeshift into the king, and then Ooh. and then later he goes off and, and reveals it's him. But, but the king Dan, is still you are imaginative him. and have talent. So no. you are not on this production. Stop trying no. to fix the film, Dan. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Jack's apologising. I'm trying to make it better. Um, I will I mean, make it legal. <laughs> legal. I have a lot of work to do. To make I. Better can I can I talk? I have to talk about that Claire Folani scene. Do it, do it in in the in the carriage. She's so, my butt, by the way. Like Claire Folani yeah, was... cannot act in anything, no. in anything. Yeah, very beautiful lady, but she like she's obviously always cast because she's attractive, but she mm. cannot emote. Mm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the that's the biggest one in it. Like I, I I sighed at Matthew Lillard because as soon as I saw him, I went, oh, this is where your career mm. kind of started to fall, mm. and it's not really your fault, is it? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this... So, among Solana, everyone, yeah, like, so Christiana Lucan's massively exposed as well, yeah, doing everything as per usual. Um, everyone is massively exposed, and I don't, and again, I don't think it's it's not the actors, it's the way they're shot, the way they're directed, the dialogue they have to like. Even Ron Perlman, like, is you know, Burt Reynolds is clearly sleepwalking, Ron Perlman doesn't really give a fuck, no. and. I'm, and Anyway, Claire Somebody Filani. got a boat. Somebody got a house. Somebody got a yeah, exactly. It's a it's a Michael Caine. It's a yeah. Michael Caine film, isn't new, it? It's new like, garden furniture. Yeah, um... I, got, I got a shed. You know, whatever <laughs> it is, whatever you want to call it. But I have to talk about this Claire Filani scene because I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> so, so we, it's so it's, it's so fucking hilariously funny when it shouldn't be. So Claire Filani wakes up and we see that her brother has also been captured. Mm. And she wakes up and she's like, oh, my God, you're alive. Great. Where's Farmer? Where's my parents? Where's my son? All this sort of stuff. Like, is is my son with my parents? And the fucking delivery of this line, he goes, yes, your son is with our, with, with our parents. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> Where they all died in the village. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, "Fucking hell, mate! Why did you do that? That's that's really fucking mean." <laughs> you give a hope and then take it away. And then You're she and then she just breaks down, and it's just like ah, <laughs> more lady just, crying. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. And, but I was laughing because I was just like, "How can you leave that longer pause?" And then it's followed up by the worst bit of crying. Um, God, it it's right it's writing to try and be like impactful isn't it mm. like 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 gladiator you know it's it's trying it's trying to it's trying to echo that kind of kind of sentimentality yeah. isn't it mm. by the way that it's delivered to her and yet it doesn't work at all because it's the wrong thing to fucking say <laughs> it's the wrong way to Wrong way, wrong thing to say, wrong way to say it, and the wrong way to shoot it as well. It's just <laughs> awful. He's he's like a favorite of Uwe Boll, that actor as well. He's been in a few of his yeah. films. Why? Because because he, he sucks eggs for free. Is that is that what it is? <laughs> probably. He probably su- yeah. He probably sucks other things to be in these films as well. <laughs> Fair play. I mean, I've not been in a fucking film ever, so True. I mean, credit to you. He's getting True. paid. Yes, but, but you've also not been in this film, so credit to you, Andy. Yeah, credit, credit to everyone who's, who's not been involved in this film. Uh, Thank you. But there's a scene later on where they're they're trapped in the mine, and it's just him and and he's... mines of Moria. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when, yeah he's ch- when he's chatting up blonde. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Where where are you from? from? Yeah, 
yeah, where are you from? And she's like, I'm from Longoria, where, wherever that fucking land is. And he goes, don't worry, we'll get you back to your family. And she goes, nah, we'll die down here. <laughs> and, and he doesn't respond in any way. He just shuts up. <laughs> another, another fabulous bit of a character dynamic and relationship <laughs> building. No, we'll die down here. That's the full scene as well. It's yeah. those like three Cut. lines. Time to go. Move on. We've got it. <laughs> with, with that, there's no sort of like, you know, them trying to spur hope or anything with that because they literally do just leave it dead at the end of that line. And you're like, really? So there's an opportunity there for you to make an impactful retort, an impactful sort of stand statement, you know, anything, anything at all. No, mm. you just sit where you are and continue to look into the distance. Of your Say something. Say anything. <laughs> a reassuring hug. Anything at all would be would work here in this scene. But no, because because either the direction's poor or nobody has a fucking clue what they're doing as an actor in this even, film. They just, they just sit there and abjectly stare into the, the polystyrene wall of the set. Even, I, the, come even on. the worst writer could follow that up with something like, there's always hope. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been enough, but instead of just going, that's Lord of the Rings, that Dan. You, you can't. Sorry, do that. sorry, can't do that. sorry. No, sorry, sorry. No. Um, but like anything, literally anything. If you, like, but just that awkward, like, oh shit, bit awkward. You know that kind of moment is. Oh, it's dreadful. Why does the camera linger so long? It's like, it's like, it's like children when, when when children say something depressing to each other, and like a child just goes. All right, just doesn't do anything, just wanders off. That's what it felt like. It was like, they're just idiots, aren't they? They don't know what to do. Do you think they thought it was funny? Because at times, Ron Perlman's character and this brother character were definitely supposed to be comic relief, weren't they? So is he meant to be the comic relief? And is that why, like, Matthew Lillard's got such a wet mouth and is overacting. Uh, are these meant to be the comedy characters in, in this movie? Uh, Ron Perlman, I would say, yeah. Matthew Lillard, I think he was genuinely trying to create some kind of snarling Weasley character. Which um, he does, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't doesn't really work towards the end of the film because there's no resounding resolution really like is it a translation thing Do you know what I mean like sometimes when people from different countries their, their comedy is very different so like is mm. this bowls version of comedy where it's like i'm gonna have this long pause and then deliver haha i tricked you now your son's really dead and like yeah because we get the terrible scene i mean compared to all the things we've already discussed quite possibly the worst scene in the whole movie when they're crossing the ravine Oh, good lord! <laughs> On a very obvious zip line. I don't know why there's a zip line in this ancient realm of Ebb. Yeah, but crossing the zip line, and the Stace farmer is already going across it and got stuck halfway, and like wiggled his way across. And then these other two guys swing across, don't they, and bump into each other in the middle before falling down. Like that was. I'm laughing because I'm laughing at it. I'm not yeah. laughing with it. Yeah. Like it was clearly meant to be funny, wasn't it? Yeah, it was meant to be in again in sort of like uh, oh oh Lord of the Rings did this with the hobbits you know when when the when they when they all get pushed over the edge and they find mm-hmm. the mushrooms before before the ring wraith comes um, you know it was, that that was funny they all fell down at the side of a ravine didn't they uh, that was funny let's do something similar um, well no because they built up these characters as being 
you know, comedy characters mm. to begin with. And then you're you're immediately you're immediately bookending that comedy with a very serious, very dark scene that comes immediately after with the ring wraith, where whatever comedy is there, whatever childish sort of, you know, essence within within the two characters of uh, Merry and Pippin is is robbed from them because they're exposed to this you know abject terror in the ring rave so you, you mean characters learn and grow in this moment yeah well you don't, get, doing you, that? you don't you don't get anything with no. with, with the rope because you did to 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 compensate for the comedy you would have something very serious happen immediately mm-hmm. after. You'd, you'd have the you'd have the joke of them getting stuck on the line and then the line would cut. Maybe they'd fall into the water, and then they'd, they'd enter into trouble. Mm-hmm. But you don't get any of that because the next scene. Oh, that was... oh, that was a shortcut or something. They say, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. So you, you don't, you don't. They're fucking miles up as well. They yeah. fall for yeah, a really long huge, time, a huge distance. And Stath runs down this mountain like super fast as well. I mean. Yeah. My 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 biggest problem with this is that we don't see them land in the river. No. We don't get the satis- that, Dan. Yeah, the, we don't get the satisfying splash or like no. or anything. It's just cut away and back. And like fucking hell, if you're gonna have that scene, you need to show that. Mm-hmm. That that, yeah. it, that was uh, I felt like you just know like the child. Yes, sure. I, like again, yeah. I I feel like I'm just about to get my satisfaction of seeing that. All oh, right, the, yeah, it's shit. It's done shit. But at least we'll see this big like mm. splash down. You know, like pre- like that that big shot in Predator where they do that huge jump sure. and he does that huge jump into the river. Like I was expecting something akin to that. Even a shitty CGI one would have been fine. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have minded that. But I have to see it. You can't, you can't tease me and then not give me yeah, this, and that, that, that satisfaction. Would be... That would be how you counterbalance the comedy because you'd see the splash, then Stephen runs down the mountain. You go, "Oh shit, there's some peril!" Because that was a that was a mm. hefty hefty drop. Yeah, hefty drop into water, and we know as human beings, you you hit water from a great height, it's going to hurt. So you know, there's there's a bit of peril, but there is no peril because we don't see anything happen. And then the next scene, everybody's happy happy as anything. So that there's nothing, out, okay. there's nothing earned in this film. There's, there's literally nothing earned for any of the characters. They may be comedy characters, but you've got to have in in a fantasy film. You can be a comedy character. There's no problem with having a comedy character. You know, we had it in the Princess Bride and things like that. You can have those kind of things, but you still have to have some element of peril to justify the characters being in that world. Because if the rest of the world is terrible, like it is in Lord of the Rings, they can't go through it being comedy characters. Mm. Um, we we get we get the the banter and the back and forth between Gimli and Legolas in the film because it alleviates the tension of the fact that they are going to die most likely in the films, and it works because you you go along with them because they enjoy they enjoy what they do they're good at what they do in terms of battling and killing orcs and whatever, and yet they develop a friendship along with it through the struggle, and laughing and joking is a way of getting through the the horror of 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 war. With this, it's just oh, it's it's funny to have Ron Perlman say these lines. Mm-hmm. There's no justification for it, and it's not funny. Uh, yeah, and it's not funny. <laughs> Fundamentally, it's not funny. So you you, it doesn't matter whether they would have add peril anyway. To be fair, because it's fucking not funny whatsoever. Can we? Obviously, we just talked about this rope bridge. Can we talk about the other rope in this film? Mm-hmm. So 
the, the end, nature of everything. <laughs> well, that as well. But in the finale, there is a there is a castle that John Reese Davies convinces a small group can get into, and it's a small crack in a mountain. He teleports. You mean in. Farmer's Fellowship? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, now. Oh, it's so bad. Speak, friend, and enter. <laughs> and, and we have and we have the 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 two skinniest ladies. Um, who are holding this rope? Effectively, got, they call the Nelfins or something. They're like tree. The wood, the wood nymphs. nymphs or, yeah, yeah, whatever. And you've got Lily Sobieski's hold, holding the rope. So this is the weirdest rope swing I've ever seen in any film ever. It's incredible. It's, it's sideways, isn't it? It's a sideways rope swing mixed into a catapult situation. Mm-hmm. So. Sobieski is holding the rope at the top of this mountain, and then Christiana Loken's character, uh, the woman who says, "We don't engage in the wars of man until we do," mm-hmm. uh, and then, <laughs> until we kill everything that comes yeah. near us. Yeah, don't don't come into our forest. Oh, well, all right then, we'll just kill these other guys anyway. Uh, I hate I hate characters <laughs> like that in films. Where it's like, no, I won't definitely won't do that. Uh, you know, I yeah. think they should they should die. I think the the ones that are non-committal, I think they should just die. And then you go, oh, should have committed to a side. Usually could... they do, but that yeah. would require character development and thought process for the crafting <laughs> of your story. I mean, her her role is, I know you're about to say that, hmm. is solely this one thing. Yeah. She can swing a rope sideways and then she buggers off. Yeah. She literally walks down this, does, yeah. this mountain. Sure, I thought she was I'm going done. to like go a different way around to, to give them some distance. <laughs> yeah. She's quite she's literally at, she's out the picture. across the mountain. <laughs> so we've got again, we've got the mechanics of this is insane. So we've got Lily Sobieski <laughs> with no magical powers at this point, um, mm. holding onto this rope that is going to carry both Christiana Loken and and uh, Jason Statham at Statham as they swing sideways into this mountain so you think they're gonna just sideways swing directly into the opening which again it seems insane but then <laughs> but then the the momentum of of loken on there uh and then statham releases and and flies towards this <laughs> with some of the worst cgi <laughs> I've ever seen. Uh, he just flies I'm on a mountain. <laughs> I'm on a mountain now. I'm done it. I'm done it. <laughs> rock, rock hard, hardcore. Um, and he just lands there, and that's it. And again, Lily Sobieski teleports in because suddenly she has powers. Um, and then you were oh, right. Daddy, daddy dies and besp- bestows them upon her, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. So she's like, oh, I just felt it. You know, she keeps feeling these things. Somebody <laughs> else has come inside her. <laughs> it's like it's like Deanna Troy's like, you know, oh, I, I sense uh, pain. <laughs> you know, it's something like that. But Jesus like, Christ. Re- she re- reverse Ray Skywalker's him, doesn't she? Like rather than <laughs> healing him, she sucks his power dry. No problem. Excellent. Now you're all powerful. You're the one. <laughs> Jet Li's the one. <laughs> I agree with you. It's completely balmy, but I think I was just so worn out by this point yeah. of like madness. Yeah. Mm. Any thoughts of like gravity or anything just completely go mm. out of your head because you're like, wow. <laughs> so, oh, okay. That's the next thing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Meet me, me, Megan, Rhea, and Mike covered um, a few Disney films recently. And, and the least favorite of, our, of all of them was, was Dragon Slayer. But mm. I would happily go back and watch Dragon Slayer twice over going back and watching this any day of the week. Well, speaking of that that lovely podcast, which is very mm. enjoyable to listen to, this film reminded me of Something Wicked This Way Comes, another oh. movie you covered during your Dark Disney podcast. Okay. When Ray Liotta's modern day 
leather trench coat wearing mage wizard guy just turning up living in his clothes from the trailer <laughs> uh, he uses books to imprison Course, the state yeah. in the big final battle and it made me think of that scene with Jonathan Price in that movie when he's like ripping pages out of the book and he's like going like one two and it goes on forever mm. like 69 52 it's so weird I I, I, and I remember thinking remember you guys talking about it. I couldn't fathom what his point was in that scene of ripping the pages out of the book and this is really similar here I was just like what is your goal you've pulled all your books off your library shelves very nice looking library to be fair Mm. And he's like imprisoned in like a, I don't know, like a almost like a Doctor Strange moment, but maybe more like what was that Doctor Morbius that you watched or Doctor oh Mor- Doctor Mordred Doctor Mordred Master of the Unknown like the ripoff version yeah. he's imprisoned by these books it's such a weird moment yeah it's it's a pretty horrible final battle you know any and the Wizard's Duel is two blokes standing in a room mm. the Wizard's Duel is laughably awful <laughs> it's, it's laughable I've said awful a lot but there's no other way, way to describe it really do you think it's, the two of them went nah fuck that we're not doing it yeah so, I don't, so I don't they know. had to write around it or do you think this think, was the original intention So yeah I think it's the original intention I think somebody mm. told them this is going to look great because you're going to be flinging swords at each other you know we're going to do all the CGI it's going to be swords it's going to be this it's going to be this and you're going to battle it away it's going to be a cross between Harry Potter and that scene in Lord of the Rings the mm. Fellowship of the Ring you know what I'm talking about you know it's going to be great yeah cool and they're like alright cool we'll do, just stand there and look menacing at each other you know you know, you, you do it with your mind basically it's a telekinetic battle um, of wits and will and power fair enough <laughs> but it comes across as fucking awful doesn't it it's just mm. it, it's it's messy it's messy it's clunky it looks shit um the cgi room is appalling it's oh, man they're just they're just stood in like obviously a very cheap green screen set mm. aren't they it's like certain... a stare off contest doesn't it doesn't yeah. it then? Yeah. And, and we get yet another pointless revelation where Rayleigh Otter goes, ah, do you know what I did? Do you know what I did, Magus? Do you know what I did? Ah, the crook don't have a king, and I've made myself their king. And he's like, oh, no, I can't believe you've done that. <laughs> um, well, that's what we assume throughout the entire fucking thing. <laughs> film. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because they get the power from serving a king. So him being a king doesn't mean he gets the power because their power comes from them. Yeah. And he's serving the king. And so if they serve their king with with loyalty and respect, which Jonathan Jonathan Reese Davis says, mm. then they get more power. And they get more influence, they get more ability. I so, don't want to stop you, mate, but you've already thought about this longer than anybody who made this movie. <laughs> but that, that happened. That that thought process of mine then happened while that while he was saying that. I went, doesn't make any sense because he just said you get the power from serving a king. So what are you on about? Mm-hmm. You've created this army to worship you. It doesn't mean anything, it doesn't make any difference. If anything, you should have created a king that was fake to serve to get the power if the if he'd made no. <laughs> if he'd made matthew lillard the king of the krugs i think that sure. would make more sense yeah it probably would have done it would have made more sense and you could have like you're, you're just a, you're just a, a a facsimile for for my future endeavors as long as i as long as i serve you up until the point where i get this master evil power and i can do away with you i won't need you anymore that would have been interesting it would have worked but no Coming soon to to the Waterstones bestsellers bookshelf. Matthew Lillard, King of the Krugs. <laughs> King of Krugs. Yeah, absolutely. It's the thing, the, the thing is, Harry well, Potter. <laughs> the thing is, well, speaking of that, he's controlling most of them himself. He's 
he's in this kind of VR room where he is remote controlling the the head Krugs, the like the ring race, if you want, um, of the thing. <laughs> My favorite scene is where he's like, he's interrogating um, Jason Statham and he's asking them all these questions like, why can't I read you? I can read men like human scrolls. Why can't I read you? And while he's questioning him, he's hanging Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you tell me, you better tell me something. And he's like, <laughs> you know. Uh, I was just like, what is going on? And the voice was quite cool when it's really after talking through the Krug. The voice mm. modulation sounds quite good, but then they cross cut back to him in the VR room, and it's really Otter's whiny voice. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's like, it's it's like so bad. Uh, it's where you'd expect Sauron to be if they didn't use the "I see you." Yeah, sure. Just really Otter going, "I see you." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so bad, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, and Ray, and God bless you, but Jesus. The Stath gets out of the noose, doesn't he? And he's like near dead. Like I've never, How did he never... get out of the noose? It just, it just unfurls on itself, yeah. doesn't it? And like, I've never been convenient. hung, so I don't know what it's like. I'm he, sure it's he, not very He grabs, pleasant. I think he gra- he manages to grab the sword off the Krug, like spin around, no, cut does, the rope, right. cut the rope, and then cut the Krug's head off at the same time. Because everybody oh. gets beheaded. Every Krug gets beheaded in this. But like, he's like on the floor, like, like, like he's been poisoned. I can't cope with what's happened. It's so weird. And he has to be revived by this, this potion. Everything is just baffling. Illogical and baffling. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Illogical. Oh, yes. That's, that's like, the word. Yeah. He could get up and go, oh, my neck's illogical. a bit sore. Because it would be. Give me a drink. My throat's a bit dry. Yeah. But I don't know why. I don't know why he can't, like, yeah, I don't know why he's at a near death point. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh no! What is this film? <laughs> Let's talk about the central battle scene because oh. it is bonkers. It goes on forever. <laughs> I don't know who anybody is and what the role is, other than it's random dude swinging a sword at random Krug. <laughs> don't forget the ninjas. I was just about to say, you get <laughs> suddenly ninjas appear out of nowhere. Christ, when they showed up, I went. At the time, I was thinking, like, okay, Jason Statham's martial arts is out of place in this film. And like I said at the start, he's great at what he does, but Christ. Bearing in mind, he's been an orphan and a farmer in a random village. Like, who Hmm. has taught him martial arts? I don't. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You can understand somebody being good at swinging a sword to yeah. the point where it's like a bit of mysteriousness to them. One of, one of the really? people he must have lived with as well must have been an Aussie because he can throw a boomerang. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this looks good. Just put that in. Like Captain America's shield. It like pings around everyone comes back to him. It's... Yeah. Sorry, Andy, go on. Fuck me. When, when these ninjas turned up, like the, the film jumps the shark at so many points in the film. But the the the, oh, the the ninja showing up and <laughs> double jumping in the air and then flying and they're then fucking useless I, 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 I as like, well. Like they they literally jumped the megalodon here. Like oh my god, it, I just laughed. I laughed. I went, what mm. the fuck are they doing here? Where'd they come from? Who are they? And they don't do anything for a while. No, they double jump through the jump jump through the air, land, and then strike a pose like Power Rangers, <laughs> and then wait. They wait for ages. That is the one. It's full Power Rangers. Krug mm. versus Ninja is like all they yeah. did was bring the cast across from Power Rangers. Right, you're not wearing the the pink suit today. You're dressed as a ninja. Yeah. You're not wearing the 
the blob from space today. You're a Krug. That's all it was. Yeah. You're not a putty. You're a Krug. Yeah. Like if, the, if the fucking Megazords had turned up in this, I would not have been surprised. <laughs> I, they don't even like. They don't even like set up the ninjas. No, I'm, they pretty, just, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Double jump, jump over the horses, land, and go. Oh. And then you're like, where, where did they come from? And I think I, I think the first image of the ninjas is like a really close-up shot, so you can't even see what it is. And then you're just like, that's a black shape spinning. I'm like, what is that? And then they pull out, and then they run up a tree, and then you don't see them again, I don't think, for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just, they're, just, they're just somewhere. They're hiding. Mm. Great job. Great. Well well worth it, that, that double oh, jump appearance. Jesus. <sighs> Just Bloody awful. Uh, I actually, you know, who I quite actually liked uh, their performance was mm-hmm. the the kind of king's the king's aide. Um, mm. He's like royal guard. I thought he was great. I really thought he was he was giving it his all. I think he had he got the kind of the tone right of how he should play it. He was kind of charming but a bit aggressive. There's, there's this one line he gives to uh, to farmer, and he was like, "I'll be honored to have you fight by my side." So I can keep an eye on you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what is, is that like? Commander Tarish. Mm. Uh, yeah. Brian White, he's called. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I thought he was serviceable among some of these other actors that looked awful. Yeah. His moment facing off against Matthew Lillard was probably a high point of the movie. Yeah. So Matthew Lillard's been captured by the, the nymphs and brought to the winning, I don't know what their team's called, the... Did they win? <laughs> but, but, but Reynolds kind of just ends the, na- yeah, knights, sure. the knights of Ebb. Yeah, I suppose the knights of Ebb. Yeah, he gets brought there, doesn't he, by Lily? And then they have quite a nice little little face off in a in a ditch, which I thought was quite well done. Yeah, only for it to be completely undone when they go, <laughs> "Hey, you can't do that. He's the king now." Yeah. What? what? <laughs> but oh, no, no, wait, he's no, not. not. Oh, okay. There's another oh. twist coming, guys. Did, oh. Don't know if you saw it coming. All these twists, none of mm. which are earned. The state is. Is the king. Uh, I love the fact nobody questions it. Here is the true king. It's this dude that was chained up and looks like a farmer, a bald, modern day, close cropped haired farmer. He's your king. Everyone goes, all right, cool. Yeah. I don't know know what it is, but I think. Our, our mutual friend Nathan Smith. I don't know what it is, but we I think we we watched something once, and when somebody says something far away and off screen, it always makes us piss ourselves. <laughs> so like like in Rogue One, there's a bit where like Jin Erso is talking about the rebellion and stuff, and then and then there's there's a, a pause, and then right in the background you hear someone go, "What is she proposing?" <laughs> and and I got the R in it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's clearly gone. We need. We need. Oh, we forgot to put a line in here. Quick, quickly record something. Uh, what? What is she proposing? What is she proposing? And and I got the same feeling, the same laugh from from. The king is dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the king is dead. And it was just like it just makes me laugh. I don't know what it is about it, but every time someone has a slightly faint, far away thing, far away shout that is very very faint, it always makes me laugh. Um, I can't, I can't trace it back to anything, but yeah, it did make me laugh. It's a classic Simpsons thing, isn't it? Yeah, I Anybody think that's who, it. Who, who objects? Me. <laughs> don't you don't see the person? It's just pure comedy gold, isn't I it? I think it's something. Yeah, it must be something like Hans Molman in the background or something yeah. going me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was saying Boo Yeah, 
<laughs> if it's if it's Nathan, it's probably something like that. It's probably a, a Simpsons reference. Um, but yeah, oh. let's talk about Bert, Bert the King. Do oh. we have to? Do we really have yeah, to? Yeah, I think we have to. Wear, a his death scene. Oh god, <laughs> where, his... where he's wearing a black t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, and <sighs> and the scene, the like the post poisoning scene after he's been healed, and then they have the the discussion in the room. I think let, let's. Let's start. Like, talk about. Let's talk about all the all of his scenes. Well, it's just <laughs> the death scene. I think is we have to talk about him. And yeah, as you say, his black t-shirt is acting. It's awful. But the scene much earlier on. So after he's survived the poisoning by being mm-hmm. healed by John Rhys Davis. What the fuck is going on with the framing in that scene? I don't. I thought something had gone wrong with my TV. I was watching it because suddenly everyone's off to the side of the screen and you only get like yeah, half yeah. their head. And then Burt Reynolds is like this. You just get to see his fucking to pay for it for a moment and then it's like now you can see my chin it's so <laughs> weird i don't know what was going on i'm a massive fan of um the handmaid's tale it's mm. such a powerful show but they play with framing and cinematography in that show all the time yeah, to get you do. into the mindset of the characters mm. and they use open space really really cleverly in that show i actually use a scene from that when i'm teaching in terms of how to frame something in order to tell you what's going on between two characters I don't know what was going on here because nothing was telling me anything other than some. I don't. I, clearly, yeah. somebody thought they were doing something clever. I just can't tell you what it is. Yeah, it's a. It's a. Somebody, somebody got told something at film school, didn't they? And thought, mm-hmm. oh, I'll, I'll do that without any context for the for why it's done. Like you said with Handmaid's Tale and things like that. It's, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't really think. Um, like what I want to say in terms of those kind of shots. I know exactly what you mean because we, mm. we watched an episode last week where that, that shot is, she's she stood right in the corner, like mm. I, I'm positioned myself and you've got a vast sort of openness and it's all like, um, I think it's just like a hallway or something and it's like grey and dank looking and yet she's just stood there in in her red gown. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of like, it's almost, she's almost like isolated still within the, the, the you know, dankness of mm-hmm. you know the country as it is um and they're showing us storytelling yeah 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 so yeah. But the, you don't there's, there's nothing of that here because there's no reason there's no there's no, no context behind it so even even if you can't like i'm struggling to sort of explain the shot in handmaid's tale but i get a sense mm-hmm. of the character being isolated and completely sort of stuck you know within all the shots in that show and that kind of highlights it um, you know, because if you've got the, if you've got them sort of lower down in the corner of the shot, and then the next mm-hmm. shot is somebody in the other in the on the other side of the frame, uh, taking up more of it, you know, of a higher angle, you get a sense of okay, that person's mm-hmm. overpowering them in a sort of a figurative sort of way. You know, that's that's what you get visually when you look at it. In this, like you said, it's just it's a chin, and then it's an arm, and then it's it's an eye, and you're like, well, what the fuck are you doing? And it's just somebody trying to be clever for the sake of it. And it's like, I don't know if you're digital comics, when you like double tap sometimes to zoom in on the panel, or then you can zoom in on a, on a moment. Sometimes yeah. if it's been uploaded wrong, or mm. if you swipe the screen back, and it, it does something weird. And that's what yeah. it reminded me of. It's like really bad paneling in a comic. It's so mm. awful. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. I, uh, like, a lot of the scenes with Burr, I was just like, this is... yeah. Like, don't get Chris Phelps to watch this because he'll die. 
Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he's a big. I know he's a big Burt Reynolds fan. Do <laughs> not. Like the guys from Indiana Jones just shriveled up. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Um, it's just, it's really depressing to see Burt Reynolds in the in this, and and just out. Of, it's just so out of place. He's so miscast mm. as, and you know, if, if if it was a different actor or it was a different time, or if he gave a shit, it might have worked. But he really doesn't like. Like the scene with him and Matthew Lillard having breakfast, and again, very wet mouth, Matthew Lillard, um, and he's like, blah, 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 blah. "I'm going to be a good boy now," and he's like, "Right, good, yeah, brilliant." I, I reckon a lot, a lot of those shots, you know, when it when it singular focuses in on them, mm. um, not, you know, they're not together. They're not together. No. Not at all. There that is would... no way that Reynolds is on that or is on <laughs> is at that table when they're shooting Matthew Lillard on his own. There is no way he's there. I was going to say, Absolutely actually, yeah. no way. Because he, because Matthew Lillard's in a different film. It feels like when mm. Bert's there, he's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, great. Enjoy the breakfast. Yeah, yeah it's good. And he's still like, <laughs> and yeah. like, I bet, I bet there was part of Matthew Lillard where we went, you know what? I'm going to do a scene with Bert, Bert Reynolds. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, there, there are a couple of, there are a couple of scenes when they are together on screen. Mm, sure. Um, but for the majority of it, it's like cut to the next actor, then back, mm. you know. And the music. You can clearly tell. The music in that in that fucking scene is like in Cable Guy, where they go to the medieval times. <laughs> it's like the most stereotypical, like daunty, like yeah, green sleeves. Do you know medieval times? You know, it's it's just, and I was just like, why are they playing this humor again? The music is. T- totally out of place constantly and that is the most humorous like do 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 and and it's it's not funny it's not a funny scene i don't know why they're playing it to be funny because it's just not it's just it's it's no. nothing it's a nothing scene it, it distracts you doesn't it because you're like you're trying to listen to what's being said but because what they're saying is awful you hone in on the rest of the film around it mm. so you start noticing everything else that's wrong mm. so you notice the set it's just cardboard, um, which is fine, fair enough, you know. But you notice it greatly because the lighting's awful. And mm. then you notice that the set is awful. Then you notice that the music is awful. Then you notice that the editing's awful. And it's like it's like a snowball effect of like realization because because there's nothing interesting to grab hold on. Mm. You just you you're searching for something mm. and you all you see is shit. Mm. It's it, that's how my mind works with films, and it happens as soon as something, and it, it can be like the best film ever. I do, I do it all the time. As soon as I see something that takes me out, I start looking like almost without thinking about it. I start looking for other cracks because you've you, you've lost me. As soon as you've lost me, I find it really difficult to get back in because then I, I, all I'm doing is searching for other failures. And in this film, it just it just kept happening continuously, and that, that's that's a bit of, that's a bit of curse for me because I, I can't help it. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, like even when me and Dan talked about Goodfellas a while ago, there are mm. things in there that I I latch onto and go, oh no. Um, but in this, it's just a horrible snowball that turns into an avalanche that turns into, oh god, just pure unadulterated misery of watching. <laughs> and I hear what you're saying about like I think all of us are pretty forgiving if we're into the film or into the story of shonky sets or bad visual effects or like you don't care it's, yeah. it's, it's how that film could be made back in those days 
Here, hmm. though, when you've got your tax loophole in 60 million. Oh, Jesus Christ. No I film's mean, perfect because there are loads of films that have stuff like, you know, glasses that, you know, are on the table and they, they turn hmm. and they're in a different place, you know, things like that. You know, you can you can forgive things like that because sometimes they're hilarious, sometimes they're funny. And you can have you know, like boom mics popping in, you know, I don't mind that kind of stuff so long as it doesn't impact the rest of the film. Mm. If it impacts the film, that's when, like you say with this, it just it crashes it, it completely kills it. It does. It does. Let's talk about the Stath. Yes. Good. He, I think his martial arts are really good in this. Mm. However, you don't, <laughs> get, you don't get to see him. Because it's uh, edited, yeah. it's edited so poorly that we don't get a chance to really treasure. Uh, but again, he's giving it his all, like he's done in these previous films. He is doing it hundred percent. He's giving his absolute all to this movie. He's trying something different, you know. He's trying mm. something that's out of his wheelhouse, and I appreciate that and I respect that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the dialogue doesn't help him, but I think he delivers it as as best as he can. Um, he doesn't have an awful lot, actually. To be fair, does he? He's probably no. one of the. He, he's more of the stoic hero that you do expect in this, I suppose. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, mm. uh, that that's pretty much all I have to say about the state. I'll be honest. I think he, again, much like most of these films that you watch, Jack. I think he's the best part of it. Mm. Um, but again, we actually don't get that much of him. I mm. don't think. And we don't. I don't think it's a real good showcase for his acting, his talent, his charisma, or his martial arts. Um, I, and I know he hurt himself. Mm. He, he damaged his foot or something. Uh, and one of one of my least favorite shots in the film was him running over all the crooks. And I was like, this is. Oh, it just looked rough. It just mm. looked really rough that scene, um, that moment. But yeah, um, he's great as always. But unfortunately, he's not given the ability to shine in this film mm. because of all the other failings. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? His fun personality doesn't come through in this film at all. Um, yeah, the martial arts are good, but for me, it's completely out of place. Like, they've just, they've just told him to do what he does, which is fine, but it doesn't work for the film because it's a sword and sandals kind of film you need you should be focusing on i mean he does later on in the film he does have he does have a good sort of sword battle with ray Liotta, which again is horribly cut probably because the choreography is not great mm. i think what happened in this film is he probably spearheaded a lot of his own choreography with the other stunt people and there's a lot of stunt people in this film mm. hell of a lot um because I, I went i waited for the credits to come through uh just to see like the the, the depth in this film, and there are a lot of stunt people in it, and I, I think because he's, he's, from what I've seen, he does do a lot of his own sort of stunt work, doesn't he? Mm. So you can see, you can see that he's, he's trying his best to sort of give some sort of impact into the choreography, you know, because he's everything he does is very precise. All his moves are very precise. He's very, he's very powerful in what he does. He, he's very acrobatic. We know that. Anyway. Um, but it just, it just doesn't fit. It didn't, didn't fit for me at all. I was mm. praying that he would not necessarily slow down, but, you know, focus on, you know, a bit more sort of strength in sword combat and things like that. It's uh, an easy fix again, isn't it? Like, if we had one of the King's aides being a martial artist... Yeah. Then, then, then you... we're going, hang on a minute, he knows martial arts. 
I'm I've fixed it. it. Ooh, I'm waiting Google. for that. I've got it. I've got it, guys. I've got it. Go so he's he's been in this village. He's lived with lots of different people. He's clearly lived with with the Nozzy to learn the boomerang. Mm -hmm. But he's also lived with one of those ninjas, and they've sure. taught martial arts. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Dumb. But you you could you could have like explained it, like you said, with you know if somebody else is equal equal capability in terms of martial arts mm -hmm. because then you, you it it becomes part of the world then because clearly somebody else is trained in the same way you know very similar thing to uh you know any kind of action film like um oh, i'm trying to think of that that one with the gun cutter everyone everyone does gun cutter equally oh, equilibrium yeah yeah you don't need to really they, they do briefly explain explain that everybody has this can can utilize this ability but then when they have a fight later on they're all doing the same thing so mm. it makes perfect sense fine and like you say if you if you have anyone from the king's guard whether it be you know the, the king the king's um you know assistant guy mm -hmm. if he can do it then belton there's no need to explain really it's all just it it's show and zero tell it's mm. show and zero explain and as charming as he is, I suppose it, there's nothing. There's nothing of Jason Statham in this film beyond mm. the surface. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do. I mean, no, I agree. I agree with all that. I still, I agree with you, Dan. I think he's the mm. best thing in it. Still, mm. uh, it's not a great. I, bar. I, I, I'd say that as well. It's yeah. not a great bar to to beat, is it? But no. it, it is out of place. It's really weird. Like from that first fight in the barn, mm. it's like, oh, okay, he's doing Jason Statham stuff, and Ron Perlman's just swinging around a big club or a big hoe or whatever it, whatever yeah. farming equipment he's picked up it's a bit it's a bit jarring mm. but i think um yeah as always he you said it again dan he's just totally committed isn't he he just gives everything he's all he takes everything seriously he wants to showcase what he can do every every opportunity mm. be it the martial arts be it i think you're right Andy. he's he has a fluidity to his movements which i think yeah. does make him stand out and i think is how he has progressed because he's he's almost like a like a dancer yeah it's, it's was he was a dancer wasn't he it's well, a diver no, it's a, a diver, diver yeah so a... yeah there's this precision and control and yet mm. the smoothness because obviously as a diver you'd need to have you know a bit of smoothness to mm. get the maximum mm. points mm. you know you can't just do a flip and then land it's got to be done precise and you know smoothness of in you know control we've seen that from like the olympics and things like that haven't we so yeah you know, it's 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 a it's an extremely physical craft, and yet there is a sort of like a balletic sort of um, point to it, and you you see that in the way that he the way that he moves and everything he does is it's mm. very much like you say a dance, it's a smooth ballet of of martial arts, and I think that's like you said that's where his craft has been honed because he's performed with Jet Li, he's performed with Stallone, he's performed with all these people that are really really excel at what they do in different. Mm -hmm different in different ways but in this in this i can i can almost see what the thought process was for him he's like right okay i'm gonna be in like a, a medieval kind of film here cool i'll get to show my ability using a sword and yet when he got on set they went right we want you to do your kicks and mm. you, you mm. spins and all this and he probably a bit like oh, okay then whereas it would have been better just to see him be a bit more sort of like not rigid but you know, strong in form and precision mm. in terms of using a sword um, rather than just swinging it willy-nilly, which is what happens toward the end. It, it's not really a sword fight so much as, mm. you know, Anakin versus Obi-Wan in bloody episode three. It's just spinning and clanging and that's it. Initially, I thought they never put him in a suit of armour 
um, because he's so badass he doesn't need one. But now I'm thinking, if they put him in a suit of armor, he can't do those type mm-hmm. of things. So that's why he never puts one on. He stays in the in the shitty farmer's gear, um, in the farmer's farmer gear. In his burlap sack, yeah. Burlap, his potato sack, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So that ma- that makes a lot of sense. So I think maybe yeah. I think maybe Andy's right there. I think they yeah. wanted they wanted him to come in and just do. It would have been he really does. cool to see him full on gear up. Yeah, you know, especially for like the final fight with Ray Liotta. Mm. You know, he's just been crowned king. You know, he comes in, you know, like a Return of the King thing when, um, mm-hmm. you know, when when fucking Aragorn wears, you know, that that new shiny armor and Mandalorian armor, yeah, tree. yeah, yeah. You know, just anything, just something different because you can have fluidity in action, like we see with Aragorn in Return of the King. He's got, he's wearing armor, but it's not weighted armor. It's just a new, a new cover, a new, uh, like a new. New breastplate, um, a new cloak, a new sword. You know, it looks fresh and new. We could have had something like that. We could have something that, you know, the art of good filmmaking, a good sort of costume design, is that you make it look physically physically capable, and yet it complements the actors to allow them to do what they can do best. Mm. This film should have catered to him and gone. We'll make you an armor, make you armor that allows you to do what you do best. Sort of like in The Witcher. You know, with Henry Cavill, he doesn't need a big suit of armor, but he still needs something to protect him from being struck by a sword or an arrow. Figure it out. Nah, we'll just leave him in his farmer gear because you know, you know, why? Why should we bother? We just want to do some spins and some kicks. It's disappointing, and yeah. I, you know, it would have been great just to see him just turn up in the end of the film in the final fight, dressed in a kingly manner. Mm-hmm. Fair, totally fair comment. So he's the best thing in it, but does he manage any chemistry with anyone? He's he shares the screen with quite a significant proportion of the cast, doesn't he? He has scenes with Bert, with Claire Forlani, with John Reese David, with pretty much everyone. Mm. But no chemistry with anyone? It did there was the uh, it was I'm up and down with Ron Perlman. Mm. Uh, really up and down. Uh, I think they probably tried to make it work, but I think the problem is is that the dialogue and the writing doesn't do them any favors. How how can you create chemistry if you if what you're given to read is shite? Mm. Like you, you can be the best actor in the world, you can be the best performer in the world, you can you know be the best at listening and reacting. But if what the other person's saying doesn't make any sense, or what you're saying to them doesn't make any sense, then it's not you're not going to get any chemistry. That's a that's another thing about Uwe Boll is he almost religiously shoots first drafts mm. and i bet there's no room for improvisation either is there which is another yeah exactly another massive problem because it's like this is it you he will, li- he will literally shoot something and he goes yeah that'll do move on they don't they don't waste any time he doesn't really direct the actors he is just like He's think because he's the producer because he funds his own films. He's the producer and the director, mm-hmm. so he's he's having that war in his head. How much money do we have? How much time do we have? I want the actor to do this. I need this to be the blocking. I I, I think they don't even work out the blocking actually. Um, I think from that documentary I watched, that's what came across. It was just like get it done, do it nice. It doesn't have to be pretty, but get it done. And there was a, there was a woman in fact who'd written Blood Rain, and uh, she wrote this whole whole script and. Uh, she two weeks later she got a call she was still she was like oh oh you're behind by two weeks and she's like well most script writers can be it can be months or years late with a script and he was actually there shooting the film 
two I, weeks oh. after he'd asked her to write it. And he's like, where is this script? She'll need to give me the script now. We're shooting. Um, you know, and and she was like, what? What? Uh, like she still got paid and everything. And she said that my script did not turn up on screen because he just rewrote the whole thing anyway and just did what he wanted to do with it. So so there you go. He, mm. He's a, an insane man. Um He's a raging bull, uh, much like the documentary. <laughs> nice. Much, much like the documentary uh, uh, posits him as. But yeah, <laughs> a funnier joke than anything in this movie by a long way. <laughs> it almost makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Oh dear, Jack, were you were you going to ask us? Uh... <laughs> I am. I am. Yeah. Just before we do that, I think yeah. we think we do have to talk about the choreography. We've sort of skirted around it. And we've spoken sure. about how bad it is, which is, I think I did a bit of research too. It's really surprising. So I'm not good with names, but Siu Tang Ching is the name of the, the main man responsible for the choreography. Now he worked on John Woo's The Killer, which is a wonderful movie. Yes. Brilliant action choreography. Mm-hmm. And Yi Mu Zhang's hero. Okay. Oof. Which is, I think, overrated, but yeah, yeah. D- did change the way that action films were shot for quite a while. Brought in that Wushu style and the wires. And so he has been involved in some seriously successful productions, like culturally impactful productions. And then he made this. Mm. What the hell was going on? Editing, yeah. You think? I I, I, I I agree. I also think the Krugs. You can't really do much with them. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think. I don't think those costumes are very well made. I think they were rushed out. Um, I think the the actors probably couldn't see. They're too bulky. They're too you know because they they just walk around like the apes, don't they? They're like mm. even when Ron Perlman's pretending to be them, he's pretending to be like an ape. You know, he's he's got that mm. that kind of mm. gait to him. Um. I, I think it was partly due to that because they're mostly just the monsters. Um, you don't get very rarely get one-on-one fight scenes with the humans. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Andy's right. I think it's I think it's the editing. I really do. There's there's I was counting the the cuts in the fight scene as well, mm. and there's like two or three, four, five cuts every two to three seconds, and it was just so jarring, so jarring. And like you said, that that fight scene is going on for ages mm. it's just that just imagine that for 30 40 minutes that is what that fight scene is yeah and i guess ultimately it might just come down to bow again mightn't it like he's probably put in the work and then this is what we turn up because i mean is this where and i know this is culturally not correct because mm. obviously um the killer is a hong kong movie but is this where the ninjas come from oh well you know We'll have ninjas in because you know you can mm. you can get choreographed ninjas doing stuff, but mm. but but the ninjas make me think of like you know like a canon movie or a Golden yeah. Globus movie the way they're costumed and depicted and the way they move. Yeah. I don't know. It's just when I looked at who it was, I couldn't quite believe it if I'm honest because mm. of the you know these aren't these are the two I picked. He's been involved in a lot of prestige like successful action mm. movies where he has been not just the choreographer. But like the action unit director, this guy knows what yeah. he's doing, and yet, and yet, he is also involved in yeah. the king. When you when you think about those films you mentioned, a lot mm. of the choreography in those films, the shots are maintained for a period of time, aren't they? Sure. So, you know, factoring in in this, like mm. 
the shots are edited, you know, cuts, jump cuts, left, right, and center, rather than focusing in on specific, you know, bits of choreography. And so it's always striking to me. You can tell good choreography, bad choreography, because if the shot is maintained and it fixes on the characters for a, a good period of time, I'm talking like three, four seconds before it cuts to a different angle, then you know you've got great choreography. The best examples for great choreography are the Matrix films because mm -hmm. it focuses on them for extremely long periods of time. Um, and then, of course, you have um, Phantom Menace as well, the fight with Darth Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon because you see, you know, multiple moves take place in a single frame of shot. When you jump cutting left, right, and center, it's fine with a gunfight because bullets, you know, move. You want to see the impact of the bullets and everything. It wouldn't make sense to have, you know, unless you unless you John Wick, for example, where it's all close quarters combat, it doesn't make sense to have a gun battle, you know, as one static shot. Um, but with sword choreography and um, you know, martial arts choreography, you want it tight, compact, therefore you can have long long shots, long, long takes. That's where you build up your tension. That's where you build up, you know, your your peril and your 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 excitement. When when in this film it's it's jumping from one thing to another mm. and not seeing it not seeing anybody do anything meaningful fully. You, you lose it doesn't matter again, like I said before, it doesn't matter if you're the, the best choreographer in the world. You, you your flavor is going to be lost because you're not showcasing it. It's not being showcased fully with with what you're capable of doing. So, you know, I, I love I love good good choreography. I, re I really enjoy it. I, I really love it when it's done right. When people are aiming specifically, you know, for you know heads, legs, arms, you know, to cause damage. When you're just swinging a sword meaninglessly, it doesn't mean anything to me. There's no there's no impact. Um, and then couple that with copious amounts of edits and cuts that don't make sense, don't fit what we're being shown. You, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. You could be any choreographer in the world and it, it, you're just reduced to whatever we see on the film. Well, it looks like Andy's not picking choreography. No. <laughs> All right, here's the categories I thought we should discuss. Okay. So we have the, the much-discussed editing, mm. the score, the script, mm. the casting, mm. the acting, the choreography, the costuming, the creature design, the continuity, or the direction. I know that's a lot of categories, but... There is. And, we, and we've got to pick the best? or the, No, or the no, you are picking what you think was the worst example in this movie of the all bad examples within this movie god fucking uh, so many to pick from <laughs> so many do you have one jack do you have one i think obviously a couple like we arguably some are linked aren't they mm. but i think yeah i think what makes this as bad as it is mm. is the continuity for me just mm. everything is so all over the place and i think the editing is tied into that and the script is tied into that I don't know who was the continuity um, editor on this movie and whether they were ignored. But, you know, <laughs> things that people have said don't don't tally up on where the shot was to the next shot. And Bert Reynolds was like, no, I'm just going to go in my black T-shirt. And, you know, all that, like, 
maybe they didn't have a continuity editor i don't know but for me that's probably what drags this down more than anything i am somewhat intrigued to see what that three-hour cut is like mm-hmm. i'm some <laughs> somewhat intrigued i don't yeah. think i'll ever bother but i wonder how much of that would help i doubt it would i think it would be probably more confusing um but yeah god costuming i thought the costuming was okay I don't, I don't, yeah you like lily's night outfit you said yeah it's fine like I, I, it doesn't it didn't offend me particularly um uh, the least egregious, I'll give you that. Yeah, I think it's the least egregious. Apart from Chris Lucan's completely stupid costume, so, they, on top of the mountain. They look, they look like they're so Fuck. awkward. Like the worst Cirque du Soleil performance you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horrific. Yeah. Probably uh, where they came from. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm just going to say direction because sure. the buck stops with the director in all things. And if he's mm. the producer as well mm. and the overall script manager, as he mm. probably is, um, then the buck stops for him mm. 100%. Um, it's awful because oh, it's just it's just awful. It's a disastrous film. It's overlong, it's overwrought, it's it's riddled with hubris of a man who clearly thinks he's God's gift to filmmaking. Um, you know, as per what you've said about the, that documentary, Dan. How long is that documentary? Is it like an hour and a half or something like that? Hour, hour and a bit, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, fuck off, you know. <laughs> fuck, fuck you. Was it, what, what's the title of the, what's the title of the documentary? Fuck you all. Uh, yeah, the well, Uwe Ball story. Yeah, well, fuck you, Uwe Ball. You <laughs> fucking Andy. Andy, be ca- be careful because he might ask you to be mm. in a boxing fight with him. Oh, really? Well, I don't care because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you, Uwe Ball, because I can't be bothered to look at your face. Um, to be honest, you just it's just rubbish. It's it's rubbish, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's it's disgusting, really. This film. I feel like Agent <laughs> Smith when he's talking to Morpheus about like the the, the disgustingness of of humanity. Well, the smell. Disgusting. Humans yeah. are a disease. I, I can I can taste yeah. the stink of this film. Like, <laughs> it's repulsive, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's, it just you can you can feel like the 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 sheer lack of craft and ability seeping out of the screen in all manners in all facets and it all stems from the directing because the director wanted this music the director wanted um this creature design the director wanted this editing he wanted this script he wanted all these cast members to do nothing with it let's hire all these high profile actors and you know basically just let them spaff themselves on screen Let's 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 hire this masterful choreographer only to completely undo everything with our shoddy editing and costuming. Um and continuity, yeah, fuck that. It all stems from the direction. So yeah, there you go. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Uber. Fuck you. Fuck you, Uber. I I I think I have to go with the editing, I think, because it's just the most noticeable. Um I think out of everything, it's just like like when I'm watching a film, I, I don't pick up on a lot of things. Sometimes, if I'm enjoying it or if I'm in it or I'm I'm really engaged, I don't I don't critique things or go through and go, oh well, that wasn't quite in this. Wasn't probably the opposite to Andy. I kind I kind of go, oh, it's all right. 
you know, but I think the editing was so egregious and baffling and just like I couldn't I sometimes I think I I spent a lot of the time I think looking at my phone because I just couldn't I couldn't look at the screen because it was giving me a, a <laughs> fucking headache um uh, yes yeah, I, I think I'm it's just the it's the one that like ever it was all because it was happening almost every half a second was bad editing going mm, on does, doesn't it <laughs> it's just like every half a second and I'm I'm just like and then I then I feel like Andy, I think, and then I was starting to look for all this other stuff, and that's not usually like my thing. But the editing is is horrendous. Like I was saying, I think all of my points kind of come back to the editing. Mm-hmm. I think most of the things I noticed, most of the problems I had, is the editing. Again, all those other categories are also not great at all. But I think for me, that was the biggest problem with this, and the biggest, yeah, it was just constant. It was just like there might be like Jason Statham will say a line and it'll be like okay that's all right, but then the editing will just constantly be going <laughs> halfway through his line. Yeah, couldn't <laughs> undermine anything that he's doing. Couldn't away, couldn't away. Uh-huh. Just yeah. So for me, it has to be the editing is the worst possible part of this film for me. Mm. Shocking. <laughs> all right. So before I get both of yours, really surprising final summation and final review of this movie so sadly is going to bring your run to an end Dan. <laughs> oh i had a, such a good one <laughs> you had three classics in a row i'm going to just read out a couple of letterbox reviews if you'll indulge me sure go on so we have oliver parker who says maybe the most incoherent film i've ever seen matthew lillard is absolutely unhinged in this ray liotta is just straight up terrible for some reason he rocks a leather trench coat and ends up looking like a blade villain Combat scenes look like they were choreographed by a child, and everything just looks bad. Statham is obviously still a king, quite literally. I feel like Oliver, Oliver's definitely yeah. watched the same film as us. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Grey the Dot says, Holy shit, this is an actual big budget fantasy epic. It had a budget of 60 million, and then Uwe Boll directed it to look like 10 grand. <laughs> Long story short, <laughs> The story behind how Uwe Boll got Jason Statham, Ron Perlman, John Rhys Davis and Burt Reynolds in his movie has to be more interesting than the movie itself. Long story shorter, Jason Statham can do no wrong in front of the camera, but he can do wrong in which camera he's in front of. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that's nice. Spot on. The Scribbling Man says, if Lord of the Rings was a Power Rangers movie, if Ents were female Tarzans, if Frodo was Jason Statham and had a boomerang, <laughs> if the Fellowship had zero character development, if treason was a tolerable crime. <laughs> Script doesn't make any sense. Nothing is set up and then things just happen without context. Every visual looks like it's trying desperately to mirror Lord of the Rings and it does so terribly. The editing is incredibly choppy. The framing often nonsensical. The lighting disgusting. The choreography laughable. I'd like to say this is a so bad it's a good watch, but it's not. While moments are entertaining, overall I can't recommend it on any level. It is bland, wooden, and painful. No more Uwe Bowl for me, please. Yep. I'm like you, Dan. I've never seen an Uwe Bowl film before. Yeah. This might be my one and done. Yeah, I think so. Andy, super fan, though. Andy, mm. super fan. Alone in the Dark, the film that really, well, pretty much did kill Christian Slater's career. Um, Christ, it's awful. Worse than this, Christian Slater United, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, him and, yeah, and um, Tara Reid. Yeah, 
horrendous. <laughs> um, Christ. What would you watch, that or this, if you had to? <laughs> oh, God. Um... Sophie's choice. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. I think I, I think I just pull my eyes out. <laughs> All right. Um, I think well, I think invite the Cenobites round, yeah. Instead. Well, well, don't worry, Andy, because next week on Spider Man and the Secret Wars, <laughs> we're doing a Clone Wars on both uh, of them, so we can so, make you decide. Sorry, I'm on holiday. So, oh, okay, um, okay. Don't worry. Um, forever, you're on holiday. <laughs> what a what a fucking mess. Yeah, wooden wooden is a great descriptor, isn't it? It's just wooden. It is like watching a bland table of mediocrity, isn't it? Just gather dust in a corner. It's just it's... Maybe wood is too strong of a material, though. Maybe paper mache would be better. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, or like MDF that's been left mm. outside for, mm. you know, in, in, in winter and is curling at the edges. Ooh. Um like Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen left out in the sun. Um, it's just Car- cardboard, wet cardboard box. Yeah, Ugh, just squelchy, yeah. squelchy nonsense. <sighs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what they're fighting in at the end. In that, in that, not co- more, more like Helm's Derp than Helm's Derp. <laughs> Helm's Derp. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and the guy, the poor guy's drowning in the mud. Yeah. Minus Thirith. <laughs> Who needs the Battle of the Bastards, eh? I mean, it's rub- <laughs> rubbish. This is, this is where it's at. That hill. The hill is so... <laughs> the angle on the hill is so ridiculous. Like, no one can do anything. You can't... <laughs> no one will be able to go down it or up it. So, you, no army would even try. They just they just wait. You just wait it out. But, no. Uwe Ball says, we must fight. All right, then. No problem. <laughs> We'll show the abject misery of stuff that would would not happen in a medieval fight. No problem. All right. Last couple. Lou Shoemaker says, one of those movies that's so bad, it's not even fun to rip apart. I disagree. I've had a lot of fun. Hmm. I felt truly... (laughs) Two two out of three is all right. I felt truly embarrassed about Reynolds and Jonathan Rhys-Davis. I felt even bad. I I even felt bad for Lily Sobieski. Satan's natural charisma kept me from cringing during his scenes, at least up until he has to give the worst fucking rally speech you've ever heard in your life. God, yeah. Or better yet, don't hear it. Don't ever watch this movie. Unless, unless you're Mio Akiyama, who says, five stars. This movie has everything you could possibly want from a movie. Jason fighting. People being catapulted whilst on fire, magic, lesbian tree elves, feminine jokes, battle cries, Jason slingshotting himself across a 10 kilometer valley, ninjas, night and day at the same time. It truly is a gift (laughs) that keeps on giving. (laughs) Oh, no. There's the fan. I told you there was one out there. Hmm. I hope he's being trite, but yeah. What, what what were you saying about the people that like this film earlier, Andy? What were you saying about them? Let them suffer and burn in the fires of Kazadoom, or in whatever whatever alternative Ubal version of Kazadoom we're going to do. Um, yeah. You did say, Andy, that you sat through all the credits, right? I sat through them just to see the level of stomp work, purely because I was like, I was yeah. I was interested 
and I was shocked by how many stunt people there are. About hundreds plus, maybe. You must have put it on mute, though, right? Oh yeah, it was on. It was, it was on oh, mute because the that, music that came on, the music that, that came on, I went. Bar, it's like a bard song. It's like Cacophonics and Asterix, right? When everyone goes, yeah. "No, shut up, tie him up." Oof. Yeah, I, I, had, I heard the music, and, <laughs> and I went, "No, absolutely not." I, I, I muted it. Um, yeah. God yeah, Almighty, that, that was awful. It's 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 like a new metal bard song. Yeah. I assume oh, it's not... some German band that Bowl was friends with that yeah. did him yeah. a favour. I'll put it on <laughs> under the end here so people get to hear the, a snippet of it. <laughs> They've suffered enough, oh, Jack. <laughs> They've su- we've all suffered enough. Pain. Pain. <laughs> all right, shock the world. Amongst the stage filmography, is this a classic? Is it worth catching? Or is it a completist only? It's not even for completists. <laughs> I, I would argue that as well. I would say this this is a film that could potentially have completely derailed Jason Statham's mm. career. Mm. I think if it wasn't for the sheer his sheer charisma levels and his clear ability, you know, in terms of what he's good at doing and you know, possibly his personality winning through, um, I think this this could have seriously crucified his career in the same vein as what happened to Christian Slater mm. um, with Alone in the Dark um, and arguably Cristiano Lucan as well with Blood Rain and other films because um, clearly you know it, it did for Matthew Lillard you know in a sense um, obviously Burt Reynolds is Burt Reynolds who was always going to get away with it you know you, you're not going to tarnish Burt Reynolds are you whereas Jason Statham sure. still, still you know tuning you know the craft and you know doing all these 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 other action movies it, it could really have gone the other way from him you know it could have really sort of done some serious damage but you know thankfully you know for for those that are mega fans you know it didn't it didn't it doesn't seem to have any effect on him at all really so so, so what you're basing is i need a new category <laughs> <laughs> possibly oh. yeah yeah this, this is this is I mean, I mean, glass, yeah. isn't it <laughs> whatever whatever new category you want to come up with uh, put it in the put it in the dungeon let's put mm. it in the dungeon in the dungeon siege uh, by the way this yeah. film doesn't have a dungeon <laughs> or a siege <laughs> just, just very gonna, good point just going to put that out there <laughs> it's a dungeon siege story with no siege and no dungeon okay <laughs> or anything resembling dungeon siege but n- never mind but does it have a strong feminist message? No. I also feel like like that. I was thinking this when I was watching that. I was like, "There's an like, attempt, isn't there?" Yeah, I, I was going to say, "There's they're trying something," hmm. but then they they really just it never follows it. through. It's like it's like all oh, strong women hmm. doing things they want to do, telling people. Also, the the whole idea that Lily Sobieski was locked in that castle when she instantly just leaves, yeah, <laughs> there was no nothing keeping her there. You know, no guards or anything. Nobody going. What are you doing here? She just walks out. No problem. She just literally <laughs> walks out. She could have always done that at any point. Um, oh God, no, absolutely right. not. <laughs> absolutely. If we're looking for, we're looking for a feminist message. In an Uwe Boll movie, it's it's not no. going to happen. I think they were like, oh, we like strong, powerful women, but we also like to see their boobies. Come on, Christiana, Christiana mm. Loken, let's have this as low cut as possible. Yeah. 
and to really to really hone that message we'll stick you on a a, a mountain um so that we can see all of your assets in yeah. in the cold in the snow no problem. <laughs> in the yeah. snow oh dear she doesn't even have a coat she doesn't even have a coat (laughs) Lily Sobieski was their anchor in that rope trick how did that work magic (laughs) yeah we'll call it that (laughs) this this film was anything but what's magic is that we managed to get through the film in one sitting (sighs) that's the real magic of this that's it Belongs in the dungeon along with all of Uwe Boll's films. You know, like Tonya's been doing this banned books uh, mm. series of podcasts, which I love, and I and I don't believe mm. anything should be banned. But I'm considering Uwe Boll films. <laughs> Certainly banned from your viewing experience from this day forward. Uh, yeah, I, I will. I, I will blind myself to any reference or any idea of Uwe Boll whatsoever in in future. Um, mm. I heard he has come out of retirement, though. Oh, for the love of God. So, you never know. <laughs> it's time for the masterpiece. He comes back. This is it. This is it. Maybe this one will actually be good. <laughs> but we'll never know. All right, gents. Thank you so much. I mean, I've had a great time discussing it. So, if it was just for that, then, you know, I think it's been worthwhile. It's been worthwhile for me. Anyway, I've enjoyed it. This is coming out on the 21st of November. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dan, I know you're a man with a rigid schedule. What have you got coming up around that time? So I'm bringing back a very, very, very old format uh, that I did in my first three, one of my first three episodes I ever did called Backstage Past, Mm. which is about troubled productions. Uh, And me and Dennis, for its 40th anniversary, which we saw not so long ago the other night, we saw a screening of Poltergeist. Mm. So we are going to look at the pre-production, production and post-production of Poltergeist. Nice. Mm. I don't think I've seen that since I was a teenager, so I will be getting on that before your <laughs> podcast comes I, out. Yeah, it, it's it's still amazing. It's still mm. great. I also forgot how funny it was. It's actually really, really funny and only strengthens that that horror. You love that family to bits, mm. and that's why the horror is so effective. So, yeah, we'll be doing that. And the other thing that will have just come out a little bit before uh, will have been Unlawful Entry versus <laughs> Lakeview Terrace. So uh, we're talking corrupt cops again. We've we've talked maniac cops. Me and mm. Andy have talked mm. bad lieutenants, and mm. we've done a showdown in Little Tokyo with Dan, um, and they were not very good cops either, but not corrupt, but just not very good at their jobs. Um, so yeah, that's the, all the stuff I've got coming up. Well, thank you for allowing me to indulge my now very mature self in my very youthful crush on Madeleine Stowe too. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see why. I can definitely see why. I was, you know, send send a few of her back catalogue, I believe. I'm sure. I'm sure you have. (laughs) Uh, Andy, you're a man who's much more impulsive, instinctual. Like when you're ready to release something upon the world, it it happens. But have you got anything lined up? Uh, Not really, uh, I'll be honest. Um, I think the next next thing will probably be Black Panther 2, I think. Mm. Uh, Wakanda forever, so... Wait and see what that what that's like. Marvel like needs Marvel needs a win, don't they? Marvel yeah, really, they really needs do. a solid win. They really do. So I'm hopeful. Um, I've not looked at any of the reviews, but you know, there's, there's commentations out there, isn't there? Saying it's 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 okay, but I don't really trust them anymore. Um, because whenever somebody says that, it's invariably been shit. So, um, yeah, um, 
keep an open mind. Um, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I genuinely take a, a bit of bit of time away from recording around about December, um, and then hit the ground running in January or whatever. Like flash in the pan releases are, are put out. Mm-hmm. Dead month, so mm. we'll see see if some interesting stuff comes up then. But uh, obviously, it was recently released, wasn't it? I recently announced that The Last of Us, the series, mm. is airing in January. So I'll probably look into doing that as well, which is what I've what I've done with um, uh, Rings of Power and um, House of the Dragon as well. Mm. So I might I might do a weekly sort of thing on that. And then February's Mandalorian season three, isn't it? So we'll have to get you Ooh. back on Comicsology for that too. Comicsology, Comics Emotion for that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I'm look, looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be. Plus, good. you two have World War Two month. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Um, I know Jack's going to come on for one. Um, which, which one did we? Are you coming on for the Clone Balls, Jack? I think yeah, you are, that's what you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're on for that one. I've got Max, Rhea, and Tony as well. Uh, is going to be joining oh, okay. all of us. So it's going to be a real, uh, a real fantastic dive into some of these more obscure uh, World War II topics. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's. Good. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll start in January, and we're going to record with Max. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Excellent. Much like in the name of the king, a lot of fun. <laughs> Fingers crossed, they're all better than that. <laughs> yeah, I do well. a lot of research. Do a lot of research. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you, everyone, for listening and partaking in this journey with me through the stage filmography. That was, of course, the uncategorizable in the name of the king. I've been. I'm Jack's musings, and that's J A C S. And you can find me on Twitter where I'm most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Back to the Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag Follow the Filmography. This show has been presented to you by the Pop Grillers, a collection of hive minds who provide spoiler-free reviews of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. I'm also a proud member of the Let's Get This Right Comics in Motion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I'm Jack signing off. Yippee-ki-yay, movie lovers.